Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. Well, I'm Pastor Norm. If you haven't met me yet, I'm the lead pastor here. My wife and I have been pastoring here for 15 years, which is unbelievable. Especially when you know that the average time that a lead pastor is in one church is somewhere around three to five years, so we've definitely exceeded that. Whether you think you're blessed or cursed, keep that to yourself. Oh, goodness. Today's message is one of those that most pastors try to avoid. I'm going to talk about hell. It isn't my favorite topic, but I really felt a couple of weeks ago that the Lord was putting this on my heart, and it flowed from last week's message, getting our light out there, shining our light. Uh, I believe this week is going to challenge us even more. And if you're not born again, if you have not given your heart or your life to the Lord yet, I will certainly give you an opportunity at the end of today's message. Father God, we thank you for everything you're doing at the Hope. We thank you for your word, and we recognize that it does not return void. Lord, everything that you do is, is predictable. You know exactly what you're going to do next. You've got every hair numbered on every person's head in this room. You're not surprised by anything. You're not surprised by our sins. You're not surprised by uh, uh, how we behave in church and out of church Nothing takes you by surprise. And I pray today, Lord, that, that this people, everyone here listening to my voice, Lord, that you would give them ears to hear what you're saying today, eyes to see the things of God, that you would tenderize our hearts to receive from you, whether they need salvation or whether we all need to recognize where people are going to go if they're not saved. God, place that on our hearts, the urgency of the hour. Place that on our hearts today minister to everyone and if there are any in this body today that are hurting for whatever reason maybe it's a loss of a loved one maybe it's they just feel horrible uh, whatever it is lord minister to them as only you can we lift this short time up to you and we give it all to you to you be all the glory and all the praise and i pray this in jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. a man was driving to work when a truck ran through a stop sign and it hit his car broadside, knocked him out cold. A passerby pulled him from the wreck and he revived him. The man began a terrific struggle and he eventually had to be tranquilized by the medics. Later, when he was calm, they asked him, why did you struggle so much? He said, I remember the impact, then nothing. And when I woke up on that concrete slab in front of a huge flashing shell sign, I realized someone was standing in front of the S. You'll get it. Humorous? Maybe. Is hell real? Should people worry about it? Many people are convinced today that hell is not a real place. Hollywood has painted this picture of this strange, demented place where the devil just runs around doing whatever he feels like doing to people. That's not hell, not according to the scriptures. As a Christian, it's important to have an answer to this question, is hell a real place? And are people going to go there? There's only one place that you and I can go to to find the answers to the questions that I'm asking here. Is hell real? Is it forever? Is hell for sinners? Where do we go? How many own one of these? Maybe you have an iPad. Maybe you have your iPhone or whatever, your Android, and you've got the Bible, whatever. But you have a Bible. This is where we go to find life's answers. Amen? Amen? There's no other place that's solid, that's truth, that we can trust like we can trust the Bible. 
Is hell a real place, or is it just a place conjured up by someone's vivid imagination? My goal, as we look at this topic, is to go to the scriptures today. I'm going to share a lot of them. So if, if you have something to write down, uh, the scripture verses with me, it'll help you in the long run. I would suggest you get them out. I want to break this down so that you'll see whether or not hell is a real place. Does God send people there? Or do we send ourselves? And we'll talk about that as we go through this, this lesson today. First and foremost, and this is so important, God is holy. This is probably the most important thing that you and I can grasp this morning. Would you say that with me? God is holy. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain in Jerusalem, for the Lord our God is holy. God is holy. And that really does mean something. Revelation 4.8 says this, Each of the living beings that were in heaven, they had six wings. Their wings were covered with eyes inside and out. Now I'm trying to get a picture of this thing and it just sounds bizarre to me. But God is an amazing God. And if he wants winged creatures with eyes inside and out, so be it. But what are these being saying day in and day out, night and day. What are they saying in heaven? They're saying this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. The one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Do you think God is holy? Amen. We've got to take that away from our Bibles. We must understand Scripture. God is holy. What that means is, there is no sin in God. There's no trace of evil in Him. Another definition that defines us even better is, to be holy means to be separated. Separated from what? Separated from evil. Separated from sin. When, in uh, 1 Peter, when Peter said this to the early church, he said, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy... For the scriptures say, what? You must be holy because I am holy. This is a command. It's not a suggestion. The Lord expects you and me to be holy. The Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter were telling the church that they had to be separated from a lifestyle of sin. I'm going to emphasize that lifestyle throughout this message. All of us sin. We all make mistakes, amen? We do things, some, get caught up in something, and next thing we know, we failed. Sometimes miserably. There are consequences usually to that sin, but God will forgive us as long as we repent. A sinful lifestyle is when you do the same thing over and over and over and over and over. That's not how God wants us to be. Why do we need to be separated from sin? Why do we need to be holy? For this one reason. God cannot be around sin. He can't be. When he gets anywhere near it, what happens? <clears throat> it's like turning on the ovens, and it just consumes it. He, his purity, his holiness, cannot be anywhere near a sinful person. It just can't happen. That's why we all need Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus covers us. God doesn't see us. He doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus who's in us. We're covered by the righteousness of Christ, right? So here's the problem. If God can't tolerate sin because He's holy, and according to Romans 3.23... Everyone has sinned and falls short of God's glorious standard. What hope is there for you and me? Jesus. Jesus. The good news. God always makes a way where there was no other way. He said, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is there anything too hard for me? If it weren't for God, you and I would all be destined to be separated from him forever and ever. But thanks be to God 
that Jesus sent his son to die on that cross to take our place where we should have been hung on that cross to pay for our sins. Jesus was hung there, and therefore you and I don't have to pay that price. And once and for all, he did this. So he doesn't have to do it over and over every day, keep getting hung back on the cross. What he did 2,000 years ago is sufficient for all of mankind. That's good news. Is anything too hard for God? No. Isaiah 57 and 15. The high and lofty one who lives in eternity. The holy one says this. I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. What I want you to catch, because this passage has the problem or has the answer to the sin problem here, is that those who repent will be forgiven. When we throw ourselves at God's mercy, He will forgive us. That's a beautiful thing. Too many people are going through this life never discovering that Jesus died for them and for good reason so they could spend forever with Him in heaven. And because they never discover this, they could end up spending forever in hell. Those who put their trust in God's one and only Son, Jesus, will be saved, according to John 3.16. We have to humble ourselves and we have to express our need for God's saving grace. Can I get a good amen? amen? So why hell? We serve a loving God. Why hell? What was God to do with the sinners? I already explained it, that He can't be in the presence of sinners. He had nowhere to put them. Hell was not created for men. It was created for the fallen angels. That's why God made it. But because He has no other place to put us, we can't be in heaven with Him if we're in our sins. And there's only one way out of that. And what is it? What's God to do with sinners? Those who refuse to repent. Those who rebelled against His authority. Remember, God is holy, and He can't be in the presence of sin. That's the problem. Some men chose to ignore God's mandate not to sin, and they just go on doing their own thing. That leads to all kinds of nasty, sinful atrocities that often represent even whole communities. We see that even today. Look around the globe. You look at certain cities and they're known for certain sins. Not unlike the stories that we read about in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 7, remember the flood? What happened? God had had enough. He watched us growing and growing and growing in our sins, and he just finally said, why did I even create these people? But he chose to take a small remnant through Noah and his family and put them on that boat. And he chose to save a certain number of different animals, two of each kind, so that they could reproduce. And God cleansed the earth with one great flood that covered the whole earth. I believe that with all my heart. We're taught differently in many of our textbooks, and this isn't in my message, but it's so much easier to believe that there was a flood, a cataclysmic flood about 6,000 years ago than it is to believe that all this started 6 billion or 16 billion years ago. Read your Bibles. You can trust it. So, we go from the flood where God first cleansed the earth. And then all the men and women started reproducing again. And within a short period of time, there was another community that God became very frustrated with. And that was none other than Sodom and Gomorrah. When you read the chapter before and after and around this, 
it just kind of blows you away. The angels, and I believe one of them was Jesus. He was the Word. He came with another angel, and they, they came and they spoke to Abraham. And after 25 years, God had already revealed to Abraham that he was going to uh, give he and his wife Sarah a baby, that they would become, he would become the father of many nations. So Abraham's waiting, and 25 years goes by, and still no baby. And so the angel, he, he says something to Abraham. He says, hey, you're going to have a son. And Sarah overheard this, his wife, and she laughed. <laughs> like, that's going to happen. This old prune body? Uh-uh. I can't have kids anymore. I'm, I'm 90 years old. How am I going to have a baby? But Abraham, he got excited. Something clicked inside of him, and he knew that they were going to have a son. And before the angels left, they began to talk to Abraham about the city that was near where they were camped. And Abraham did something that was, I thought was a little strange, but when you realize that his nephew Lot was living there, it makes a little more sense. He started arguing with the angel. Now, let me just ask this. You're going to go and destroy this community because of the sin. Let me just ask. If there were 50 righteous people, would you still destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? The Lord said, no. I wouldn't if there were 50 righteous people. Okay, Abraham didn't stop there. Then he said, well, what about 40? If there were 40 righteous people, would you still destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? The Lord said, no, I wouldn't if there were 40. Then he said 30, then he went to 20, and finally he ends with 10. What if there were 10 righteous people? Would you still destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And the Lord said, no, I wouldn't. And with that, Abraham went back to his tent because he felt satisfied that the Lord wouldn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Surely there had to be 10 people there. So what did the Lord do? This is found in Genesis 18 and 19, by the way. What did he do? He said, let us go and let's, let's look at this community. And let's see what's really going on. And they went right to Lot. And Lot invites him into his house. He says, come on in. No, we're going to, the angel said this, we're going to hang out, out in the center of the town. And Lot immediately said, no, don't do that. You need to come in my house. Because he knew what was going on outside. The wickedness that was taking place in that city, in that town. The sexual relationships that people were having with each other. God couldn't tolerate it anymore. You'll read that in Genesis chapter 19. The Lord said to Lot, he said, get your family. Grab your daughters, grab their fiancés, and get out of town. Because by tomorrow morning, this town is going to be destroyed. The angels literally had to blind the people in that town because they were trying to come through their front door. That's how evil they were. They just wanted to have sex with these two men, the newbies in town. How wicked can you get? And the Lord had said, Ah, I can't take this anymore. The Lord has no tolerance for wickedness and evil. We may see this taking place all across the globe in different places, but trust me when I say this, they will be judged. They will be judged. You're either going to be rewarded someday for what you've done in the positive, meaning that hopefully you've helped some people get to the Lord or you've blessed them with a cup of cold water or whatever, or you're going to be punished for how you lived your life. Does God send people to hell? No. People choose hell by their actions. When people come to you and say, why would God send anybody to hell? You can immediately say he doesn't. Each person chooses where they're going to land by the 
actions that they take or make on this planet. Hallelujah. The passage that I just talked about, chapter 19 of Genesis, it shows how little tolerance the Lord has for sinful actions, for the sinful actions of man. The Lord destroyed these two twin cities because of their aberrant sins. Don't think that you can get away from a sinful lifestyle any more than the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. God hates sin, and anyone that practices a sinful lifestyle will eventually be destroyed. You should see by now that God is holy and that He cannot tolerate sin. You should also see that God made a way where there was no other way. And He did this because He is a loving God. When people say, how can a loving God send people to hell? Well, He doesn't, first of all. And He really does love us because He made a way. John 3.16, most of you know this by heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will what? Not perish, but have everlasting life. That's His promise to us. So God no longer sees your sins as you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Through who? Is there any other way? That's the only way. However, if you choose to live your sin in your sins, if you ignore this gift of God that leads to eternal life through Christ, then you are choosing a future that will result in everlasting separation from God. You see, we often stop at John 3.16. But the latter part of this, let's read it. I'm reading from the New Living Testament. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Read this part. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has what? Already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. The latter part of this says, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. For their what? Actions were evil. So the way you live your life is going to determine where you're going to be forever. What it says to me is the actions are, are literally a type of fruit. How many know there's good fruit and there's bad fruit? Galatians 5, 19 through 22. You go back and you read that. It gives you the list of sins, and then it gives you the, the fruits of the Spirit. You want to land on the fruits of the Spirit side, not in the sinful side, all right? Because if you're living, if you've got bad fruit in your life, and, and that's your lifestyle, I hate to say this, but you need to get saved. I don't hate to say it. I'm saying it because it's important that we all understand this. Amen. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see they're doing what God wants. So we are, again, this is our testimony. When you do what God wants you to do, your light's shining. But when you don't, when you do the other, then, of course, it's going to take away from what the Lord's trying to do on this planet. Repentance of your sins honors God. Repentance of sin honors God. Because you're saying, Lord, I am a sinner, just as you have said. And knowing that in and of myself, I can't do anything about it, Lord, I throw myself on your mercy. I humbly ask you to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all of my unrighteousness. And of course, 1 John 1, 9 attests to this. Can you say this with me? If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. That's one of God's promises. And it goes right along with John 3.16. When you confess your sins to the Lord, he will forgive you. 
But you have to take that step or you're going to end up dying in your sins. Anybody know what the opposite of repentance is? I heard it. Rebellion. You see, people don't want God's help because they want to do their own thing. Well, if I, if I give my life to the Lord, I'm not going to be able to do this or I'm not going to be able to do that. Because God doesn't want me to do that. And then I'm going to know the difference and then I'm going to get in trouble for that. What is that? Rebellion. Foolishness. It is rebellion. It, it's ignoring the authority of God and saying, you know what, my way is better than God's way. Isn't that true? We do that. We say, oh, hey, you know, when we're sinning, when we're, when we're in a sinful lifestyle, we're saying, my way is better than God's way. Isn't that what we're saying when we continue to sin over and over and over and over? Is it? Is it really better than God's way? Can it be? No. Man's way leads to death. God's way leads to everlasting life. A question that often comes up, did Jesus ever talk about hell? Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. That's the truth. He did so because he loved the people he was ministering to, and he didn't want them to end up there. He knew full well what hell was going to be. He wants us to avoid that place. Those who go to hell will do so because of their choices here on earth. I wanted to share quickly from Matthew chapter 25. Again, Jesus was talking about the end times in this chapter. And here he actually talks about him coming back and how he's going to put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So let's just read through this real quick. And I don't have it up behind me. You'll just have to listen. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left hand. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. What is that? They're going to be rewarded, right? For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. Here's the fruit. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and you give us something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and giving you clothing? When did we ever see a sick or a sick person or some, visit you in prison. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, whenever you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Verse 41, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. What is that? Is that, is that reward or is it punishment? The goats are going to end up in hell. Who are the goats? The people that don't repent of their sins. The people that have not believed in God's one and only Son. Jesus went on, for I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. In the last verse I wanted to share here. And they will go away into, what is that? Eternal punishment. But the righteous will go into, who said this? Jesus. Who said it? 
So when people say Jesus never talked about hell, what are you going to be able to say? Yes, he did, and he talked about it more than he did about heaven. There are so many other passages that I could share with you. And it all boils down to this. God is right. God is righteous. You do it his way, you'll be rewarded. You do it your way, man's way, you will be punished. Hell is eternal. Mark 9:43 and following. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Who's saying this? Jesus. It's better to enter into eternal life with only one hand than go into the unquenchable fires of hell. So do you think hell is going to be a fun place to live? Forever and ever and ever and ever. What does it say? And by the way, the red is my emphasis. Unquenchable. If you look at the rich man when Lazarus died and he went into heaven... He, he yelled out, Lazarus, can you just bring me just a little water just to, so I can dip my tongue with it? And God said, nah, there's a gap between us. You can't cross over once you're in hell. You're there forever. They couldn't minister to him. They had time. Jesus said, you had enough time when you were on this planet. And you chose not to help. You chose not to do it God's way. And this is where you're going to be forever. And then the man said, well, can you go tell my brothers so they don't have to come to this wicked place? And Jesus said, they've got my word. The word of the prophets, they've got my word. If they really want to change, they will. Where does that leave us? Unquenchable. Jesus, is he really saying to cut your hand off? No, but he's trying to make a point. If you're doing something stupid with your eye or with your hand, stop it. Put it under the blood and get it right with God. Because if you don't and you end up dying and going to the judgment seat, this last verse where the maggots never die and fire never goes out. Oh. That's a picture. Have you ever seen maggots? I'm telling you, I, I remember once my, my buddy, his dog, and we didn't know he was this bad, but his little poodle dog was really old, and apparently he'd gotten some kind of an infection under his skin. And we were watching him one day, and, and we saw the whole side moving. But he wasn't moving. And we were like, uh, something's not right here. And, and we realized what it was. They were maggots under oh it was horrible why do I paint that picture what happened to that dog is nothing compared to what people are going to experience in hell a place of torment unquenchable fire maggots will never stop eating away at the people it's going to feel like they're on them all the time I don't know about you but I don't want to be that person that ends up in hell this little asterisk at the end, it actually is a quote from the book of Isaiah. I just wanted to read quickly verses, uh, chapter 20, 66, verses 21 to 24. It says, I, the Lord, have spoken. As surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. All humanity will come to worship me from week to week and from month to month. And as they go out, listen to this part, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me. For the worms that devour them will never die, and the fire that burns them will never go out. Is hell eternal? Yes. You're not going to serve your time and get out. That's a myth. If you land in hell, that's where you're going to be forever. So what does that mean for us? There's only one way. <laughs> Jesus. 
I'm going to skip some of this stuff. You can write down 2 Peter 2, 4-10. That talks about God did not spare even the angels who sinned. Rather, He threw them into hell in gloomy pits of darkness where they are being held until the day of judgment. That's coming. That's coming. It hasn't happened yet. Here's the deciding factor of who goes to heaven or hell. Listen to this part. Daniel talks about this. At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. And he's talking prophetically about what's to come in the end. He says, Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. Does anybody know what he's talking about? The tribulation. That's right. But at that time, listen to this part, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. What book? The book of life. Revelation 20, 13 to 15. The sea gave up its dead, and death and the grave, Hades, gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. When we die, that's the first death. When you're thrown into hell, if you're not saved, that's the second death, and it's how long? Forever. Verse 15 says, anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So you got a choice. Get your name in the book of life or not. Live God's way. Name's in the book of life. You'll live forever with him in heaven. Hallelujah. It's going to be an awesome place. I'm not taking the time to go there today. On the other hand, live for yourself. You end up going to hell forever because your name is not going to be in the book of life. We've already talked about this a little bit, but how long is hell? I'm just giving you these so you can write them down. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-10. Hallelujah. Verse 9, they will be punished with eternal destruction forever separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. I underline those. How long? Eternal destruction forever separated. Those two words should bring fear to us if we're not living for God. Eternal destruction forever separated. Hallelujah. In conclusion, I'm almost done. <laughs> How old is your baby? A month. A tiny little person. Why is it important that the church understands there is a real hell and that those that continue in their sins will find themselves there forever? Why? The biggest reason is that we need to warn them. I believe most are just ignorant. They haven't read this. They don't know what's in this book. And we have to help them with that. It might be just sitting down with them and opening your own Bible and saying, look at this. What, what, is this you? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Or not? And if you don't, according to the Bible, according to Jesus' own words, you're going to end up in hell. And it's not a fun place. It's not that place Hollywood tries to promote. Oh, yeah, let's go to hell with all my buddies are going to be there. <laughs> Stupid. That's not smart. Because believe me, if any of your buddies are there, they're going to be like that rich guy that said, go tell them they don't want this. You don't want this. Hell is real. And without forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ, your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. Their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. And he or she will end up at the great white throne judgment, which isn't for the church. We've already been judged and rewarded. But when that time comes, after that thousand-year reign... 
they're going to be thrown into hell forever. Jesus is going to look at them and say, get behind me. I didn't know you. The most horrendous words anyone will ever, ever hear. Where am I going with this? Got one last scripture I want to share. This is what the Lord said to Ezekiel. And, and granted, Ezekiel was a prophet. And he was ministering to the people of Israel. And they were going through all kinds of stuff when he was alive. But he said, after seven days, the Lord gave me a message. So he prayed, he fasted for seven days. The Lord said this, Son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for Israel. Whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. How, how soon? Immediately. immediately. If I warn the wicked, saying, you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins. Listen to this last part. I will hold you responsible for their deaths. I believe this translates over to modern times. You and I, we are the voice of God. The church is here to go out and spread the good news, to give our testimonies to people and to say, look, this is what Jesus did for me. This is how much God loved me. He forgave me of all my sins. I was a wicked, wretched person, but he forgave me, and now I'm living clean. I'm living free. And my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life according to the Bible. What a, what a liberating feeling to know when I die or when the rapture happens, whichever comes first, I'm going to be with my Lord and Savior forever and ever and ever. And there he's going to reward us. Some of you are going to be governors and mayors over the towns on this planet for that thousand-year reign. It's going to be amazing. And then the new heaven and the new earth is going to come. And I don't understand physics all that well, but from the dimensions, it's an amazing place. And everything with God's amazing anyway. So heaven, the new heaven and the new earth is going to be simply outstanding. But in the meantime, we're not going to be disappointed because we're going to be governing with the Lord. I, I've always prayed, Lord, I just want to be over the forests and lakes where all the fish are. The big fish. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. But even being cleaner of the latrine is better than being the most popular guy in hell. The blood of the sinners is on our hands, and if we refuse to tell people about their sin, if we refuse to talk about God's plan to rescue them from their sin, if we refuse to tell them about the blood of Jesus Christ that has saved us, the Lamb of God who came to take away the what? Sin of the world. If we refuse to tell people about the gift of salvation, they are going to die and their blood will be on our hands. I want to close with a little illustration. How many have watched Seinfeld? Most of you. You know what I'm talking about. Jerry and Kramer and Elaine. I want to talk about Elaine's boyfriend. Many of us live like Elaine's boyfriend. How did he live? Elaine asked him, do you believe in God? Yes, her boyfriend replied. Elaine asked again, is it a problem that I'm not religious? Not for me, her boyfriend answered. How is that, she quipped. Her boyfriend said, I'm not the one going to hell. Reality. The fact is, hell is real. The fact is, hell is forever. The fact is, hell is for sinners that have not accepted the gift of God through His Son, Jesus. Would you stand with me?
I said this in the beginning. This isn't one of my favorite messages, but I'll tell you what, it's probably one of the most important. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, there are people that are not right with God in this room today. And I'd like to extend to you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. According to 1 John 1, 9, if you confess with your mouth that you have sinned, Jesus will forgive you. He will cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. But you have to take that step. So with every head bowed, if you would, please. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I'm not right with the Lord, and I do not want to spend forever in that wicked place that the Bible described that you just shared with us. If that's you, without anybody looking around, please, would you lift your hand up quickly? Hands going up. Yep, you can put it down. Yep, yep. Others, others in the room. Anybody else? Several hands going up. I don't want to go any further than we have to until the Lord has done here. I believe there's somebody in this room that's resisting. And, and listen, that's your call, but are you going to be given another opportunity? None of us knows whether we're going to step out of here today and get slammed by a car. You don't know how many hours or minutes or days or years you have left, if, if you have years left. So please, one more opportunity, and then I'm going to move on. If you haven't already raised your hand and you need Jesus, lift your hand up right now, please. Don't let this opportunity. Yes, others, I saw them. Yep, you can put them down. A few more hands went up. Now I want to ask this. We are, most of us in this room are Christian. We, at some point in our life, confess Jesus as Lord. We've put our sins at the altar, and He has forgiven us. But I believe far too many of us, far too many of us have been quiet about the reality of God and hell and heaven, the promises and the punishment. And I believe that many in this room need to repent of that. Because we've all been called to be ministers of the gospel. It's not just the guy with the pastor title. Every person in this room, if you're a Christian, you have been called to tell people about what God has done in your life. And if you're here today and say, Pastor, I haven't done a good job with that, and I really want to pray today that God would help me so that I can have the boldness and the courage to tell people about sin and death and hell and heaven. If that's you, lift your hand up. All's, all eyes open. <laughs> you, you know what? If you're not going to raise your hand here, you're not going to do it. So, I've got my own hands up. I'm telling you. I pray for experiences. I pray that God would give us opportunities to lead somebody to Jesus or to plant a little seed in their lives that might help them down the road to hear, hear someone else and actually make that commitment. Whatever it takes, to God be the glory, but Lord, use us in Jesus' name. Would you pray this prayer with me today? Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I believe in Jesus. I believe you sent him because you love me too much to let me go to hell to die in my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean with the blood of the Lamb and help me to live as you've called me to live. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And I ask today that you would help me to live a holy and purified life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I ask you, Lord, as a blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled Christian, that you would help me to be brave and strong and courageous and look for people 
They need to hear the truth. Just a simple thing. How are you doing? You know God loves you? Can I pray with you? Help us, Lord, to know what to say and when to say it. Challenge us and convict us, Lord, and give us a strength and the boldness to reach the unchurched, to reach those who are yet sinners and, Lord, are going to go to hell unless they get a hold of you or you get a hold of them. Use us, Lord. Help us to be faithful in everything you've called us to do. Build this church, not just here at Mount Hope, but throughout the world, Lord, through our missionaries and through the other churches that are preaching the whole message. Build the church, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And when it's all said and done, I pray that we'd all hear that very special statement that you make. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear, Lord. Help us to get there. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. To God be the glory. Might not have been warm and fuzzy, but lives are going to be changed as a result. If you raised your hand today and you're interested, we have a little booklet that... Uh, our ushers in the back will have hold of. It's called the Start of Something Wonderful, the New Life, and it will help guide you into what's next, 26 steps that you could take to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And you're going to want to get that if you don't already have it. So avail yourself of that. Father, thank you again for everything you're doing in this church. Again, we thank you so much that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when we are called home, we're going to hear that profession. <laughs> well done. Lord, keep us safe on our coming and our going. Bless our time of refreshments afterwards and our fellowship. Bless our common ground groups this afternoon. We love you and we give you this church and its success in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Make sure and get to know somebody today you haven't met yet. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.